Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans 14. We're going to ask a question tonight that I've had asked of me many times as a pastor or in evangelism. And usually it happens via email. Someone forwards me a link to an article or a link to a YouTube video or a podcast. And the question that comes up from time to time is, should Christians celebrate Christmas? And uh, as you can see, we're kind of already all in here, <laughs> so uh, uh, the train has left the station. But I think this is something that I, I've thought about talking about this for several years now, and uh, just had liberty of the Lord to uh, go ahead and, and dive into this uh, tonight. And I hope that this will be of help, and I want to be gracious in answering this question. I trust it will be gracious and biblical and helpful, because there are good people who disagree on this. Uh, In evangelism, I uh, worked with and served alongside several uh, good Christian pastors, uh, whole churches that did not celebrate celebrate Christmas or or significant families within churches that didn't celebrate Christmas for various reasons. And uh, it can it can be, it can be a divisive thing. I don't think it needs to be. And that's partly why I want to deal with it so that we can get it out in the open. People can talk about it. You can look at it for yourself. You can see what the Bible says. And we can, uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can work through these kinds of things. I think the body of Christ ought to be able to handle questions of this nature without div- dividing and without biting and devouring and so forth. One thing I've appreciated about Ann Arbor Baptist Church is that really has not been an issue here since we've been here. There's been a lot of different views on a lot of different things. And in eight years that I've been here, we've had remarkable unity uh, right along with uh, remarkable differences uh, of opinions on various things. And I have never really felt that there is any, of a, of a, of a, any spirit of um, uh, orneriness or, or divisiveness here. And I appreciate that. So this is not a message to fix something in our church necessarily. Uh, I believe our spirit is good, and we do have both sides represented in our church. Uh, Those who do celebrate Christmas, those who don't, and uh, that's fine. And we're going to see that from Scripture, that that is is fine. Romans 14 is going to help us with that. Uh, And and I think it's important for us to be able to not just see from Scripture, but also to be challenged and, I trust, helped along the way. Romans 14, verse 1 says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful dispensations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another, who is weak, eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth judge him that eateth. For God receiveth him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. We'll stop there for a moment. My first introduction to this passage came in Bible college when uh, we did a student body activity that we thought would be a great idea, and I think still it was a great idea. It was awesome. Uh, We divided the whole student body up into teams of about seven or eight, and we gave each one a fairy tale and said, write a skit. You've got seven minutes to... To, to, to write a skit around a fairy tale, and it was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. They had like 10 minutes to come up with the skit, five or seven minutes to perform it. We had each group go, and uh, you just had to use who you had. So one group of guys 
got Cinderella, so they changed it to Cinderfella and his fairy godfather. And one guy comes out talking like the godfather. You know, it's uh, hilarious. Uh, but anyway, some folks didn't think it was funny. And there began to be this animosity in the, in the school. You know, not everybody thinks the same stuff is funny. And uh, it, it got to be hugely divisive. And so I remember the vice president coming to the platform with this text, and he read it this way. Let not him that, dis- let not him that uh, liketh the skits despise him that liketh them not. And let not him which, <laughs> he went out like that, okay. Uh, in other words, he was saying, hey guys, there's a lot more to fight about than a couple of skits, uh, whether or not you liked um, Cinderfella. And I know there's probably things to, to object to there, right? Uh, you know, we Baptists, we believe things passionately. And just Bible-believing Christians of all stripes believe what they believe passionately, and we're ready to go to the stake for anything, you know? And, and I think passages like this just help us to pull things back into perspective and make sure we, we stay on the same team and we are able to work through things. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, <clears throat> for God is able to make him stand." One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks." You look at that and you say, well, Paul, you didn't help us here. Was he supposed to eat or was he not? Let's solve the issue. And on this issue, Paul says, "Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut it so fine. And he allows for conscience because he makes it very clear it was not sin to eat the meat offered to idols. All right. But he recognized people coming out of that culture would say, I used to give that meat to idols and I don't want any part of idolatry. I'm no way, I'm not eating that and you shouldn't either. And it began to be divisive. And so he's very careful about conscience, as should we be careful about conscience. You shouldn't just say, oh, that's a stupid standard, so-and-so. That's stupid. What do you do that for? Nobody believes that. But this person, their conscience is trained this direction. And you can be unwittingly uh, hurting an individual rather than helping to train their conscience and respecting what God is doing with them because of their background, which you don't understand. Uh, You could actually hurt someone in their conscience. And we could do a whole thing on the conscience. Timothy talks about different kinds of consciences. Uh, uh, Yeah, in 1 Timothy, uh, there's the, the conscience that's shipwrecked, there's, there's, we see here, in, there's the, 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 uh, the, the weak conscience, then you've got uh, seared conscience, you've got a quickened conscience, all right? <clears throat> uh, so we need to be careful with one another, but he says, as far as holy days are concerned, they had a lot of them back then, and they didn't all agree as to which ones they should celebrate. And so it is today, Christians have a question concerning should we celebrate Christmas? And not just Christmas. I'm, I'm highlighting this one because it's Christmas time. And we kind of lit up the stage, right? And I've been, I've been uh, uh, thinking about this for, for several years now, even going back to evangelism, I've been thinking about this. Uh, it's good to talk about. 
Uh, but not just this, there's Halloween, there's Easter, there's various days. Um, some Christians have a hard time celebrating Independence Day because to these Christians, they see it as an act of rebellion. Uh, to celebrate the American Revolution, uh, they would see it as celebrating the American Rebellion. And so uh, there's many Christians I know that do not celebrate Independence Day. These are all different days that we can fight about. But God's Word says here, maybe we ought not fight about them. Maybe we ought to recognize that uh, some of these things, especially holy days or, or just days that you celebrate, there is some room for some disagreement here. When it comes to uh, the matter of Christmas specifically, <clears throat> another passage that I'd like us to uh, begin with as we kind of set the table for looking at this is John 17 and verse 14. John 17 says, I have given them thy word, and the world hateth them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. I believe this passage will help us a little bit as we talk about this question, should a Christian celebrate Christmas um, uh, when, when we just consider God has put us in this world and sent us into this world to reach the world, we, we recognize that uh, we're going to see things a little bit differently as to how we get there. But one thing we have to agree on is God has not called us to isolate ourselves from the world or to hide from the world or to um, uh, you know, live like in a monastery or something. We are to engage with this world and I'll come back to this passage. I think it does bear on the, uh, on the topic. So we'll be back to that in a moment. All right. Now, some are probably confused by the question, why are we even asking, should Christians celebrate Christmas? Like, isn't that Christ's holiday? How in the world is this a question? Well, it is a question, and it's a, a reasonable question. Um, and it, it, is, it is something that uh, a lot of Christians are dealing with because of the uh, origin of Christmas, where it comes from historically and so forth. Uh, obviously, Ann Arbor Baptist Church, we, we uh, love Christmas. We love celebrating Christmas. We love using it also as a, a tool to get the gospel out. Uh, the Christmas experience is a four-night gospel uh, outreach uh, where folks will come through. They'll get gospel literature in their hands. They will watch a five-minute mini movie at the end, and they'll be invited back to our Christmas Eve service. And we have about 3,000 plus people that will come through, and it's a great opportunity to make an impact and give exposure to our church and to the gospel. But some might would say, uh, friends I've talked to, uh, co-workers, co-laborers, co-workers, I don't mean from here, I mean co-laborers in the gospel in other places, some would see this as compromise. You are compromising in order to get the gospel out. Well, we'll look at this. Uh, as I mentioned, um, Christians have differed, always will. I want to be gracious here tonight, and I hope we'll all be gracious one with another. Uh, we will never all agree. If we ever end up one day all agreeing, guess what? We'll be in heaven. 
okay? <laughs> if that ever happens, you'll know you're in heaven and we all agree. Uh, in the meantime, we'll have to keep working stuff out. Um, so uh, if you're not familiar with this question, YouTube videos, podcasts, articles, they're all over the internet. Uh, this is uh, definitely something that gets, uh, gets uh, a lot more airtime this time of year. So some reasons given, some common reasons given to abstain from Christmas would be the following. First of all, Christmas has pagan origins. And this is true. This is true. Uh, there's a lot of paganism that is involved uh, in, in the whole tradition, okay? Um, a lot of this came from Rome. You've got a festival that they had uh, held as a holiday to honor the god Saturn. It was a time of feasting, uh, free speech, gift-giving, revelry, etc., etc. December 25th was the Christianizing of this uh, day of the birth of the unconquered sun, a popular holiday in the Roman Empire that celebrated the winter solstice as a symbol of the resurgence of the sun and the casting away of winter and the heralding of the rebirth and spring of spring and summer. So, um, uh, yeah, this, this definitely has all sorts of pagan origins. Uh, the first or, or official mention of December 25th as a holiday um, the honored Jesus birth appears in an early Roman calendar from AD 336. Um, what I would say is this. So when you look at origins, origins are helpful to know where something came from and to know why something came to being or how it came to be. Origins of something would be part of determining what I'm going to do with this today. But I would say it's only a part. It's not the whole uh, for me, what something, and I, we may disagree here, but for me, and I believe biblically we can substantiate this, uh, the, the, driving, the driving concern that we need to have is what does something mean today? What does it mean today? Um, uh, you know, some things have changed a lot throughout history. Uh, Reading from my notes here, um, the swastika was a symbol of good fortune for thousands of years, uh, but in recent years, not so much. You know, not too many of us would put a swastika on our house today. It's just not a good idea, but it has had different meanings throughout, throughout the centuries. So uh, learning of something's origin is helpful, but it's not the whole answer. Um, some would say, well, okay, let's, let's, let's go to Halloween for a minute. Christmas is no different than Halloween. Halloween is also pagan in its origins. I mean, you can, you can look, you can waste two, three days easy just reading about Halloween. There is a ton of material on all of the history of where Halloween came from, what, what the rituals were, what it was about, and so forth and so on. And it could certainly be argued that Halloween had pagan origins, just like Christmas had some similar. There is another argument, though, that comes in here, and that is Halloween is currently pagan. It's currently dark. It's currently associated with demonic things. I mean, we just came through the Halloween season, and if you have uh, a streaming service, they were offering all of the horror films. Why? Because that's what you do at the Halloween season. You watch the dark, 
stuff, the sadistic stuff, and so forth. So Halloween is, is definitely currently pagan, dark, and demonic. And uh, if you look at how things are looked at today, Christmas, by and large, is seen more as Christ's holiday. Santa vies for control there, for sure. We'll come back to Santa. Uh, but you've got Halloween, by and large, today is viewed as Satan's holiday. Uh, and <clears throat> so, personally, where do I cut it? Where, of course, we've got Romans 14. Each of us are going to do different, do different things with different days. Uh, I don't. My family does not celebrate Halloween. Uh, we don't do anything with Halloween. Um, many Christians that I know still choose to celebrate Halloween in their own way. Some folks here do as well. Uh, I don't see a lot of Christian themes with Halloween. I don't see a lot of redeemable aspects. With the Christmas, there's a whole lot more to draw from. Uh, with Halloween, not so much. Someone might say, well, why do Christians choose to celebrate Halloween? I think there's one simple answer. It's candy. <laughs> Christians love candy, you know? Christians love sweets. And there's two answers. There's two things. It's candy and it's free stuff. Christians love free stuff, okay? <laughs> uh, we're a sucker for anything that's free and sweet. Um, anyway, maybe it's more than that. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, some churches have taken Halloween, and they've used it as an outreach as well. There's a, a pastor friend of mine just north of here. They do a humongous trunk or treat outreach, and they've got thousands of people that come through their trunk or treat they give them candy, they give them gospel, they give them all kinds of stuff. They don't do the dark theme, they keep it more bright and so forth, but it's still Halloween, right? So Christians are split on this one. Should we try to get the gospel into Halloween? Should we try to get in there and use this as an opportunity, blah, 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 blah. And people have asked me about our church, should we do a trunk or treat? And, and I'll just give you a very, very basic theological reason for why we haven't done it here. Uh, if I did a trunk or treat and my wife uh, and, and my kids came home with bags of candy, my wife would kill me. <laughs> okay, so, so I just keep it very simple, you know, very theologically simple, bottom shelf. Um, no, I mean, we could do something. We haven't. Uh, Halloween, to me, I, I like to stay further away from that. There's other ways to get uh, to, uh, free candy to kids or whatever you got to do. Keep the dentists in business. Um, but nonetheless, we are going to fall out on different sides of this as well. But the key point I'm making is this. Both Halloween and Christmas do have some origins that we are not uh, maybe comfortable with. But as things have progressed through the years, you certainly see that Halloween today is still very much um, very dark, very demonic, while Christmas uh, has, in my, in my view, in my opinion, has uh, taken on more of a, a, Christian, a Christian theme, celebrating Christ. I mean, it's everywhere you look. You see manger scenes. You see nativities. You're driving down the road, and there's nativity, nativity, uh, angels, and so forth. And it's kind of interesting. We live in more and more of a pagan culture, don't we? Yet at Christmas time, you see Jesus everywhere. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of a neat thing. You hear Jesus all over the loudspeakers at Myers, you know. Uh, there's all kinds of things that grieve me about the music that comes out of the loudspeakers when I'm shopping, but every now and then to hear Hark the Herald Angels sing, that's okay. Uh, or or uh, um, at his feet, 
We will bow, however that song goes. Uh, boy, that's, that's good stuff right there. Now, if you take this, this, this uh, hardline approach that if it came from pagan origins, then it's pagan and it will always be pagan, then I would just maybe challenge your thinking to try to be consistent. If celebrating Christmas is pagan, then so is gathering on Sunday to worship. Sunday is, is the day of the sun god. And every single one, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, all of those were, were named after gods. We don't have a day. We don't have, we don't have a day left. You know, they're, they're, all of those days came from pagan origins. Well, we would say, no, we don't see it that way. Now today, Sunday is just a name of a day. We're not worshiping the sun god on, on Sunday. We're not worshiping, worshiping Saturn on Saturday. Uh, we're, it's just a day, okay? And I would agree with you. Um, it has nothing to do with pagan gods anymore. Uh, if you're wearing Nike, anybody in here wearing Nike? Anybody have something Nike on? Okay, a couple, all right. Say, my own son, <laughs> my own son. Nike's a whole nother message, but Nike is the goddess of victory, right? So uh, if, you, if you're going to be consistent with this thinking, once you've got, if we, can't, if we can't do anything that has any pagan ties, if you really want to go all the way with it, there is nothing that's not tainted. This whole world has fallen, folks. This whole world is pagan. The, the God of this world is Satan. Everything has Satan's corruption laced into it. This is also why I'll stop here and say, this is also why I have not led our church in eight years to be Boycott Baptist Church. There are a lot of Boycott Baptist Churches out there. And the pastor will run into the pulpit, you know, run in here every Sunday, oh, folks, oh, read this, this just in, this just in. You know, Myers voted to do this and that. We're not going to Myers. Nobody's going to Myers. And someone else, preacher, did you hear about what so-and-so did? What? Burger King? We're... <laughs> We're going to Wendy's after church. We're going to, Win wait, 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 what happened with Wendy's? Oh, Wendy's did what? Okay, we're going to Taco Bell or whatever. It's come to this. We're going to Taco Bell. It must be terrible in the world. Uh, well, we, I, I, don't, I don't lead boycotts. I don't encourage boycotts. Every single company is, is, is they're, 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 they're into Planned Parenthood. They're into the, uh, the, the trans agenda. They're, they're giving money here and there, and every company is tainted. There are a few, praise God for Chick-fil-A, you know, but even them, every now and then I hear something about Chick-fil-A, right? Uh, and we don't have Chick-fil-A around here, so we're, we're eating homemade bread. But the bottom line is, we are in the world, not of the world. We've been sent into the world, so I don't believe that we have to, every time we find out, uh, well, this paper came from a place where the guy was a, uh, a rapist. Uh, get rid of this paper. You know, folks, you won't sleep at night if you're, if you're consistent with all of this. Th there is paganism everywhere. The question is, what today is the meaning of whatever you're doing? If I go to Starbucks, does that send the message that I am a supporter of the homosexual agenda by buying a coffee at Starbucks. If it ever comes to that, I, I'll, I will stop going to Starbucks. 
That's not the message that anyone gets right now. You know, we're just so used to the whole world being the world. You can go to Starbucks, buy a coffee, give a gospel tract, have a witness, and you haven't lost your testimony. But we have to navigate these things, and we're not going to all navigate them the same. But he says, I have given them thy word. The world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I love that, how he, he has given us something to help us meander through the world, and that's his truth to sanctify us, to to, to, to protect us, to set us apart. We are set apart in this world. <clears throat> now, there are some things that don't have pagan origins that went bad. You have things that started well that did not end well. You have the bronze serpent from Moses. And the bronze serpent from Moses, how cool was that? This icon of deliverance and salvation for the people. They looked and they were healed. Do you remember the story? It was a great story. Let's hang on to this thing, they said. This is a memory. This is great. This, this is a reminder of, of salvation. Let nobody get rid of this thing, okay? Let's pr preserve it for future generations. And future generations worshiped it as an idol. And so, in that current generation, they said, this no longer means what it meant. We're going to destroy it. Now, someone could have said, whoa, 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 you can't do that. Do you know the origins of this? This came from Moses' own hand. This was a tool from God. Deliver it. You can't destroy it. They said, it doesn't matter what it was. The origins, yeah, that's cool. That's a really neat story. What it is today is an idol that's condemning our people. Our people are following after this. We're being destroyed. It's going to be destroyed. It's gone. And they got rid of it. Origins have some help, they have some purpose, but the main question we have to ask is, what is this thing or this decision or this activity or whatever it is, this holy day or, or the, uh, Christmas, whatever it is, what is it today, what is this doing to me, my family, and those I'm seeking to minister to within the world that Christ has sent me to? Words change, symbols change, cultures change, traditions change. But what you need to know is what are your actions saying in your current culture and in your time? I don't know, this is totally a rabbit trail, but I'll throw it in. I don't know what Jesus' hairstyle looked like. But it doesn't matter. He probably wore his hair different than me, believe it or not. And, shocker, it was probably longer than my hair. Probably a lot longer. Now, does that mean if Jesus wore his hair longer than I wear it, would I wear longer hair today? No, because whatever it meant back then was back then, but there are things that appearance and clothes and hairstyle says today. And today I, wanna, I want to try to dress myself in a way that says I'm a man and I'm a Christian, and in my case, I'm a pastor. Uh, I, I want to be clean cut and I want to be presented in a way that that would be respectable or respect. I, I want to take that all into consideration. And uh, I, I, wouldn't just, I wouldn't just take something out of the past and put it into the, into the present if it doesn't make sense in the present. So, frankly, I don't care how Jesus wore his hair. 
It has no bearing on how I would wear my hair today because if Jesus was here today, he probably would wear his hair different than he did back then. Hopefully I didn't lose you on that one. But anyway, I'm just saying that things change in time. We never purposefully look to commandeer pagan rituals and hijack pagan, pagan rituals purposely for our, for our worship. That's not what we do as Christians. Whenever the Old Testament uh, saints did that, they got in trouble. Don't do what they're doing. Don't take Egypt and mesh it with the world. No, get that out of here. That's not what we're doing. All right, so worldly worship has never been accepted by God. But if a holiday no longer means what it once meant and there's no current uh, association with any paganism, there's no possibility that someone's going to say, well, you're a pagan. Then I, I would submit it has, we, have, we have moved on past that. And I would not want for myself or my family or, or those that I am pastoring to have to feel bound to that. We have so many conscience issues to deal with. We have so much we have to sort out and so many hard stands to take. I'm not looking to burden believers with more than what is necessary. Do you remember Acts 15? How many of you remember Acts 15? Okay, what happened there? They had some disagreements about what the new believers should have to do. And what was their, what was their, their concern? Some of them said, we don't want them to be overburdened. These are new believers. Let's not put them into cement boots. Let, let's, let's give them what they need for protection so they can grow, but let's keep this reasonable. That's kind of my John Barber way of summing that up. Do you remember what they came up with? Somebody help me. Somebody throw some stuff out. No fornication. Amen to that. Things strangled and blood and idols. Okay, fornication still today, we're, we're in the same boat. Idols, yep, but strangled? Like if you had five things to say to a new believer today, fornication might be in there. Idols might be in there, but things strangled? What in the world? That was a big deal back then. That was because of where they were at with their culture, with their practices, with what they were doing. And, and so, uh, but, but recognize as culture and time moves along, there are different battles in different days. There are different things that come to the forefront. There are other things that go to the back. So if, if today I was in the break room having a coffee at GM, and the guys are like, so, Barbara, what you got going on in December? Oh, I'm going to Christmas with my family. They're like, what? I thought you were a Christian. You mean you're a pagan? That would have to be, for, for me, probably, that, that, that would be a time where I'm like, okay, maybe I have to rethink this. There is a, there is a problem here. There is an obvious association with what I'm doing to paganism. Now we, have a, now we have a discussion. But as I understand it today, I don't see that as being the immediate association. Let's look at number two, or second bullet. <clears throat> Early Christians did not celebrate Christmas. This is also true. By the way, all of these assertions are true. Um, at the time, Christians would be more likely to celebrate someone's death than their birthday, just culturally. Back, if you go back far enough in history, they didn't celebrate birthdays. It wasn't a thing. They would commemorate their death. So that means, kids, you didn't get any presents till after you're dead. 
okay? Uh, <clears throat> so the early church, same thing. You don't see happy birthday to you in the Bible anywhere. It wasn't really a thing. They did commemorate his death. Uh, so, uh, so the argument is, if early Christians didn't celebrate Christmas, then maybe we shouldn't either. Well, I would say, if culturally nobody celebrated birthdays back then, and it didn't come until later, some of this is just cultural. Um, there are some important things, though, about celebrating Christmas, that, with even some doctrinal uh, ramifications that I'll get to at the end of the message. So early Christians didn't celebrate Christmas, we shouldn't either. That's the point. My, I guess my, my uh, answer would be, I, I believe some of that would be simply cultural. Uh, number three, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. This is also more than likely a true statement. The shepherds were out in their fields at night. If you look at um, just uh, the... Uh, the, the, uh, the, if you just take, for the, uh, take into account that the weather would need to accommodate that, uh, it probably wasn't snowing, you know, the shepherds with snow and all of this. Now, I read a little bit. There are those who have Christ's death pegged to December 25th, and they have all their reasons for why. There's a lot of people who say, absolutely not. The jury's out for me personally. I honestly don't care uh, what day the Lord was. I mean, I do care, but... I, it doesn't matter. To me, uh, this is, a, in a sense, an arbitrary day that we have chosen to celebrate His and to worship Him and remember His, his birth. Um, so, because the date is wrong for many Christians, they say, ah, see, it's the wrong date, it's the wrong thing, the whole thing is just wrong. It's pagan in its origins, it got the wrong day, early Christians didn't do this, this came in with the pagans, I'm just done with it. Okay, well, maybe, and we can disagree on this also. There's, there's room for that. Number four, going right in hand with the third one, is there's no command in the Bible to celebrate Christ's birthday. No command. Now, this one, if I was to take the no Christmas view, I wouldn't take this argument because, to me, it just doesn't work. There's a lot of things that we do that are not commanded in Scripture. For instance, we're sitting here tonight, and there's no command in Scripture anywhere that says you will meet for a midweek service. It's not there. Now, there is a command to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so we're assembling, so therefore, if you're a church member, you ought to assemble with your church. But there's a lot of things that we do. Sunday school is not in the Bible. But we do, we do Sunday school, and I don't think God's against it. We're learning, we're... We're, we're applying principles of teaching our children and so forth. Um, and also, it just is, is interesting. This one is an interesting argument to me because it's like, um, we're talking about the Lord here. And I don't understand how celebrating the Lord's birthday is wrong simply because it's not commanded. Um, I celebrate my birthday, and you guys celebrate with me. I've seen you getting cake in the fellowship hall. <laughs> uh, well, we, I don't have a command for that one way or the other. Uh, we're just celebrating life. We're celebrating, uh, you know, the person and, and all that goes with that, right? Um, the apostles didn't celebrate it from what all we can tell. The apostles didn't celebrate it. 
But again, I think that's a cultural thing. Uh, but the Bible, here's, here, here we need to realize this, the Bible does not prohibit us from celebrating his birth. So we can't really take this as since there's no command that you can't. It's just the Bible doesn't speak to it. Um, so the Bible says, again, Romans 14, 5, one man esteemeth a day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it, and so forth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you do the day or you don't do the day, it's for the Lord's glory. Another, another argument against Christmas would be um, that Christmas is worldly. Christmas is worldly. It has been commercialized. And that is true. It has been commercialized. Black Friday, brother. Ooh, you might get stampeded for a new computer or whatever. Who knows? Um, some would say it's just another excuse to get drunk and party and overeat. Hey, no arguments. This is happening. This is definitely happening. Uh, but this is an argument that's like any other argument uh, uh, of this nature. There are churches that are uh, uh, robbing people. Uh, uh, there are churches who are doctrinally in error. There are churches who are abusing the system or whatever. Uh, so we shouldn't do church. Well, no, we need to do it the right way, right? Philippians 1.18 what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therein do I rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So yes, sometimes uh, things don't always happen for the right reasons or the right ways, but I'm glad that even the world recognizes uh, Christmas. And as I mentioned before, there are uh, carols out there, there are uh, uh, pictures of Jesus, there, there are nativity scenes, etc. Um. So there are some extra biblical traditions that serve and help us to advance the mission of Jesus Christ as long as it is not in conflict with core Bible doctrine. What about the Christmas tree? Christmas trees are demonic, would be the, the assertion. Uh, the presence and use of certain elements like bells, candles, and decorations, uh, I would say today is not a return to paganism. We don't associate any of those things with paganism. The tradition of using Christmas trees began with the Protestant Christians in Germany around the 16th century. The star on the tree was used to remember the star, followed by the wise men. The angel on top of a tree represented the angels who came over, over the, the, the tree line and so forth to the shepherds uh, and so forth. But I, I recognize there are a lot of pagan traditions involved with trees. So there were in Ahab's day when there were idols in a grove. And they would come and they would wipe out the idol and they would wipe out the grove. Gone. Take it out. All those trees, they were too close to that idol, you know. And I don't know how, if it was a certain tree or a certain orientation of trees, how it worked. But when they purged the, the idolatry and the paganism out, they even took out the trees. But there's nothing wrong with the grove. We all know that. There's nothing wrong with these trees. They were just going after paganism and rooting it out. And today, I, I would say that in our culture, there's no clear association of trees with paganism as there once was. 
again, this could be argued, and if someone has that association, then that would certainly be something uh, that they should pray through. And you've got Santa Claus, or uh, as some would say, Satan Claus. He was a Norse legend, as I understand, a Norse god, something like this. Um, he got, um, what's the word, marketed by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's made a few bucks off of Santa. There's the tradition of Saint Nick, Saint Nicholas, a Turkish bishop, famous for his generosity. And I got stories here I'll skip over for now. But he would, he would give gifts and kids would hang stockings with the hopes that St. Nicholas would come and put a gift in their stocking and so forth. Some traditions, I guess, are linked back to that. Uh, Christians today who have chosen to celebrate uh, Christmas are usually actively trying to diminish the role of Santa Claus in Christmas because Santa seems to be that secular distraction from the Christ story. And so most of us who celebrate Christmas... Um, we're not too keen on Santa. Just like the Easter Bunny hijacked the celebration of Resurrection Sunday uh, or Easter Sunday, uh, Santa kind of comes in there uh, and does the same thing with Christmas. And so Christians who do celebrate Christmas try to differentiate and distinguish uh, those things, between those things. I'm going to hit this real quick before we're done because i got to land this plane. Can't open this kind of a can and not land it. So reasons to celebrate Christmas, in my view, would be this. <clears throat> it reinforces several key doctrines, which are the incarnation of Christ, the deity of Christ, the virgin birth. How often in the year would we talk about the virgin birth if it wasn't for Christmas? Well, I talk about it every year at Christmas, you know, I suppose I could talk about it another time. I don't need Christmas to talk about it. But the, these things naturally come up in the Christmas story. How about this one? Man's need for a savior. Boy, that comes loud and clear. Uh, and just God's sovereign redemptive plan in the fullness of time. Here comes the savior. He wasn't late. He wasn't early. He was right on time. There's so many doctrines. Christ, Christmas is a thoroughly doctrinal, doctrine-saturated season. And so I, I, I'm glad for that. That's a good reason uh, for me to celebrate Christmas is to be able to reinforce those key doctrines. Also, <clears throat> it highlights, Christmas highlights fulfilled prophecy. This is a cool thing, and I've done a, a message on this a couple of times here where I've looked at all of the prophecies, not all of them because there's like 400 but looking at some of the prophecies that, that come true in Christmas, and I'll tell you what, just studying that out is a faith builder. You see all of these prophecies from all these different guys in different parts of the world, different time frames. They couldn't have talked to each other. It was impossible. And they all predicted the same thing. And it, it, it's good for our kids. It's good for us to rehearse this and say, this is what God said would happen, and this is what actually happened, and it, it, it perfectly dovetails. Christmas helps us to highlight fulfilled prophecy. Christmas helps to inspire hope. Christ came for the lowly. He appeared to the shepherds. Of course, he used Mary, that humble, lowly servant girl. Uh, there, is an, there is an answer for sin, death, and hell. 
Jesus came to die for you. There is hope. You don't have to give up. You can look to the Savior who came all the way from heaven for you. Inspires hope. It gives an unmistakable gospel opportunity. It's another reason that I choose to celebrate Christmas is it gives an unmistakable gospel opportunity. Christmas carols in the shops. I, I, I tell you what, when I hear O Holy Night playing at whatever store, I'm thinking, do you guys know what this says? Uh, I, I was at the Henry Ford Museum for their holiday nights. Highly recommend it. They need to give me a kickback for that. And all these high school choirs, they had brought them in underneath the big gazebo and these public high school choirs were singing so beautifully the most robust Bible truth. And I thought to myself, one of them was an all-girls school, girls' choir, and I thought, how many of those girls know the Lord? I don't even know if they know Him, but they're singing about Him, and I'm glad for that. I wonder if they'll think about the words and start wondering, what does this mean? Hey, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> it's a gospel opportunity. Christmas events everywhere you look, Jesus' name being printed everywhere, uh, people open at this time of the year. You know, it's just, it's a neat, it's a neat season to be able to highlight the message of the Savior. Also, it avoids unnecessary confusion and stress, in my opinion. <clears throat> Reasons to celebrate Christmas, it avoids unnecessary confusion and stress. Hear me out on this. The lost world expects Christians today to worship their Savior at, Christi at Christmas time. I'm going to say that again. The lost world expects Christians to worship their Savior at Christmas time. Anything less breeds confusion and may I, may, maybe, dare I say, contempt by the world. I have lost neighbors. They fully expect me that this is like my time of year. I'm a pastor, I'm a Bible preaching church. And they'll say things to try to speak my lingo once in a while. Like uh, one time it didn't rain on our picnic and I mentioned that to the neighbor and she's like, wow, that's great. Praise the Lord. Did I say that right? Did I say that right? Pra praise the Lord. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know? She's trying to speak pastor lingo. It was cool. And they'll make sure they get the Merry Christmas in there to us. But everywhere else they go, it's Merry Xmas or Happy Holidays, but not to the barbers because they know we're Christians, we're, we're, we're going to be Christmas people, so it's Merry Christmas to us, though they, a couple of them would be atheists, you know. Um, <clears throat> and so anyway, I, I, uh, I, I think sometimes it, it could be confusing to the world, we're trying to witness to them, and this could be an unnecessary confusion or stumbling block, like, what in the world, you're a Christian, you don't celebrate Christ's birth and the whole Christmas thing, What? Uh, also, there's another confusion and stress that I, I would want you to work through. That is this. Atheists have worked hard to require things like happy holidays be said on the radio and Merry Xmas to be said. They've worked very, very hard at this instead of any mention of Christ's name. And some of my friends, and, and I, I, I went to college with a friend, uh, and his, his father and mother and uh, had raised them all. They don't, did not celebrate Christmas, pastor's family, and so forth. And it's just weird to me when you're with, like, uh, with this, th these folks and you hear them say, Xmas. It's weird. 
Because like, that's what I hear from the atheist. That's what I hear from my neighbor who does just see it as a get drunk party and if I could just get Jesus out of this thing, uh, Merry Xmas. But then you've got Christians who also do that because they're also, like, in, this, in, this, in this one way, they end up aligning with the atheists. And that's something I think we got to be careful on any issue. Uh, I don't want on any issue to end up shoulder to shoulder with someone that I don't agree with and realize, how did we get together? Pulling on the same rope. Okay. Um, so there's sometimes some unnecessary confusion there. Also, it can discourage other brothers and sisters in Christ who are called to labor alongside. And this could go either way. Either, either side of this can get discouraged, and so we need to use, um, use grace with one another. But I would also say, uh, for, for someone who is maybe choosing not to, su- to celebrate Christmas, and I'm trying to help them to, to think this whole thing through, remember the Bible does say, let not your good be evil spoken of. And so that's something that you have to weigh, and how does this weigh out? All right, we're, we're out of time. Let me keep, wrap this up. Um, here's a question that I've had to think about. I had a pastor that I preached for in evangelism, and uh, he required, if you were to join his church, you had to be rebaptized. So me as an evangelist, if I parked my family in his town and we were going to join his church, he would require me, my wife, and all my kids to be baptized in order to join his church. That's, that's just his deal. We talked about it. He showed me scriptures. I didn't get it. We went back and forth. I still didn't get it, but I thought about it. <clears throat> He's a good guy, good church. That's like the only goofy thing with his church, soul-winning church. If God parked us there, and if that was the only church that I could get to that lined up, and if my choice was raise my kids out of church or raise my kids in church, you know, I would probably baptize us all again, get wet, and get busy. I'm just saying what I would do. I'm not going to sit my family out of church. Is it in the Bible? Do I disagree? Okay, wait, you know what? But I'm probably going to not go through something that is unnecessarily stressful. I'm probably going to just move through it. Um, would I sing a song I don't agree with? I know my, my friend in college, he'd have a hard time uh, singing the Christmas carols in, 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 in chapel. Well, I've been there too. I sing the carols, but I've been there in a different way. I remember being at a place, they asked me to preach at this Christian school, and I came in to the chapel on the front row, and they rocked out. They shook the place. They were going to bring in the Spirit one way or the other. That song service registered on the Richter scale in California. I was, I, I couldn't, my teeth were rattling. I'm like, I'm not ready to preach. So I, I made like I had to go to the bathroom. I just dismissed myself, went out to the bathroom, kind of composed myself. Like, what am I going to do when I go back in there? They're just getting started. I got a message I got to preach. And I prayed, and the Lord told me exactly what to do. Go back in there on the front row and sing and then preach the word. Because if I do anything else, those kids will not understand. I had already noticed that the kids didn't sing. They stood like this wasn't cool. Isn't that something? You give the kids the Christian rock and they won't even sing. We did all this compromise for you and you still won't sing. What in the world? 
So I'm like, I'm not going to be one of them because I come in there, I hated what was playing. It gives me a stomachache. It gives me a headache. It was so loud. But I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to give them an occasion to see that I'm like rebellious like them or something. So I came in, I had no idea what I was singing, but I wailed on it. They couldn't hear me anyways. And I said, Lord, you understand. And, and, and I, I, it was for the Lord. I sang praise to the Lord. We got done rocking. Then I got up and preached the word. Now that cat's out of the bag. I feel better. Okay. Uh, but what's the reason for that? I don't have time to have a discussion with those kids. Now, kids, here's why I'm not going to sing this song. This, this song is evil. All of this is going on is evil and wicked and worldly. And blah, blah, blah. I don't have that opportunity. My good's going to be misinterpreted. It's a stand that I don't need to take because it's actually not the stand. The stand I'm taking is not the stand I think I'm taking. So I'm not going to do that. So I sang the song and I preached. Maybe you would do something different, but that's where I'm at. Um, would, okay, we'll move on because I got to be done. It, uh, the other reason I would say I want to avoid unnecessary confusion and stress is I'm a dad. I've got kids. I've seen other families with kids. And it is hard to raise kids in this world. It is hard. And there are stands that you have to take that are very, very, very difficult. And you got to tell your kids, you know what, kids in the Barber family, we don't do this. They're like, oh, we don't? No, we don't. Oh, we're different. And you just see them. Say, okay, wait, hang on, son. Here's the word. Here's the scripture. Here's the scripture. Here's the scripture. Do you get it? You try to, you try to bring their sails back up. And help them see, this is good. We don't have to do this. We can say this is for the Lord, and this is right, and this is Bible, and we're standing together as a family against the world. You got to just know every stand is that. Or it gets harder with the kids. You have kids who are just kind of, the wind is out of them. And, and, and there, there, there's, there's a lot of stands that, uh, you know, kids sometimes will just say, I'm, I'm bitter because I had to do this, and I had to do that, and I had to do this, and parents took everything from me. So we had better be able to biblically navigate all of this, and we'd better be able to help our, help our kids to actually see this or things like this. And in my, where I am, <clears throat> this is something that I would just say, uh, well, first of all, I don't see it biblically, but secondly, it's something that I, I think would be very uh, uh, difficult for a family to understand, especially in the day that we are in. I don't want to confuse kids. I want to keep them moving forward. I don't want them to be bitter and resentful. And the, the, the crosses that I choose to ask my children to bear, I choose to ask them very carefully. And we must all do that as well. All right, um, remember folks, we have a lot of disagreements. We have a lot of things that we need to be burdened about. We need to make sure we prioritize these in a way that makes sense for the issues of our day. There's paganism today, folks, in our culture. Let's be against it. It's hard enough to fight paganism of today. It's harder to get up to fight paganism of 1,600 years ago. Last one is this, reasons to choose to celebrate Christmas. Last one, it's a clear opportunity for worship. The angels lit up the sky. 
with worship and praise surrounding his birth. Will God hold it against us if we continue that tradition? I don't think so. Why pass up an opportunity to publicly worship the Savior? Well, we're not commanded to worship his birth. I don't think we need a command to worship other than the commands we already have, the general commands to worship. You can worship any, you can worship any aspect of the Savior, his incarnation, his deity. Choose a character and worship it. I'll say this and I'll be done. We were at the Christmas tree lighting at Henry Ford holiday nights last year and uh, there's carolers everywhere and everybody eventually just meets in the town square at, holiday, at the, the Greenfield Village. If you've ever been there, everybody, it's 400, 500 people gathering there and they do the fireworks and then they light up the tree. I think they lit up the tree or something like that. This big ceremony and the band is there uh, and the, all the carolers are there. And then everybody, four or 500 people start singing Silent Night, Away in a Manger, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I got goosebumps. I looked around at all these people and I thought, how cool is this? I don't even know if they're saved. A lot of them probably aren't. But for this moment, they're singing praise to the Savior. That is so neat. It's not hard to have gospel conversations in those moments. It's a wonderful thing. So when it comes to Christmas, it is your personal conviction whether to celebrate or not to celebrate. But whatever you choose, we need to please be gracious one with another. And however you, you, however you celebrate or don't celebrate, use this season to get the gospel out. Even if you don't celebrate Christmas, recognize that there are neighbors who are maybe willing to talk about Jesus that aren't going to talk about them other times. You know, it would be terrible for your neighbor to say Merry Christmas and a Christian replies with Merry Xmas. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. We've got to keep this all... We're here in the world to give the gospel to the world, to preach the gospel, use the season to get the gospel out, be salt and light in a dark world. And pray and search the scriptures and ask God for wisdom on this issue and other issues like it. There are so many issues just like this that we have to navigate. We need the Word of God. We need sometimes uh, counsel. We definitely need this Holy Spirit, and we need grace with one another. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we seek to be gospelers here in this season of the year. I pray that we would be busy about that business, and I pray you'd open doors. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have here in Ann Arbor to be a light, and we pray that you would use the outreach that you've given us, the opportunities to, to see uh, the, the gospel reach souls uh, with eternal salvation. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.